Welcome back to the 5K Every Day in the Month of May 2021 podcast. I'm Jeff Pullen, and I just want to say congratulations to everyone who got out there and who took the hardest step, the first step. I want you to remember that as you keep moving forward towards the goal of running and or walking at least 3.1 miles every day this month, the hardest step is always the first step. But you got out there and you got it done on day one. Now day two is just more of the same. I believe in you. You can do it. To help you get going today, here's a song that I wrote and recorded with a buddy of mine several years ago. The song is appropriately titled, Run, Run, Run. Run, 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 the race before us. Look, 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 all to Jesus. Live, live, live for the glory of his name. Give, give, give all our worship. Love, 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 for he deserves it. Live, live, live for the glory of his name. Thank you. 
yesterday we had our first official group run of the month in Worcester, Ohio, and it was a really great time. Thanks to everyone who came out and joined us. We had runners and walkers of all different ages and paces. We will be doing our next group run in the Worcester, Ohio area on Wednesday evening. In fact, this will actually be a 5.5K race in honor of Cinco de Mayo. And afterwards, we eat tacos. Best day ever. I do want to remind you also that if you didn't check in yesterday, you need to be sure to do that. We will have an official check-in on my blog at www.jeffbullenmusic.com. I know it can be confusing because my blog posts go to Facebook and to Twitter, but the official check-in is on the designated blog post named hashtag 5KMay2021 check-in number one. Our next check-in will be on May 15. Probably the easiest way to make sure that you don't miss a check-in is by subscribing to my blog at www.jeffpullenmusic.com backslash updates. Then the check-in and the daily podcast blog posts will go directly to your email. We did have a ton of people checking in yesterday, which is always fun to see. It's a bit of a crazy day for me because my phone is chirping nonstop throughout the day. Several years ago, I had the goal of responding to absolutely every comment left on my blog. I think I did pretty well back then, but this year we have nearly 600 people officially participating in the 5K May 2021 challenge. And as much as I would love to do so, I simply cannot respond to every comment. So I want to officially deputize all of you. I want to commission you, anoint you, uh, encourage all of you to interact with one another on the blog, the Facebook group, the Strava group, whatever. It is pretty awesome to know that we are all in this together. So if you could do me a favor, please find at least one person in the 5KMA 2021 community to interact with today. Whether it is responding to a comment left on the blog, something that was posted on Facebook, or commenting on a Strava activity, let people know that you are with them and you are for them today. You never know how much they may need that encouragement, and you never know when it may come back to you at just the right moment. Before we jump into today's Bible reading, I want to remind you that one of the new segments I hope to add to the podcast this year is a Q&A time. So feel free to ask questions or leave comments on the blog at www.jeffpolmusic.com. And once a week or more frequently, if needed, I will be reading and responding to your questions and or comments. The questions can be about anything. You can ask me about any aspect of 5K May. You can ask questions from the daily Bible reading. You can ask questions about the Jeff Pullen Music Ministry. You can even ask for advice on life. I mean, nothing is off limits, but I do not promise to answer every question that was asked. And I definitely do not promise that you will like the answer. I used to do this regularly with my youth group when I was a youth pastor, and it was always a good time. So I decided that I would add it to the podcast this year. And if it's a total flop, eh, oh well. Now, I also told you that we would be having some special guests on the podcast again this year, and I am super excited to announce that today's guest is my very own daughter, Piper. All right. I am talking with my daughter, Piper. It's super weird because we're on Zoom, even though we're really just uh, a room away. How are you doing, Piper? Good. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thanks for joining me for being my very first special guest on the 5K May 2021 podcast. You're welcome. All right. Now, Piper, how old are you? I'm 11 years old. 11 years old. And have you ever completed the 5K every day in the month of May challenge? I've completed it four times. Whoa, four times. So how old were you the first time you completed the 5K every day in the month of May challenge? Seven. <laughs> That's a pretty great map. She's homeschooled, so you'll have to forgive her for that. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot there. This is pretty exciting to me, but this year, 5K every day in the month of May, 
you did something really special leading up to the 5K every day in the month of May. What was it? Um, I kept on doing a 5K every day for 365 days. <laughs> that is amazing. So on May 1st, you actually ran your 366th 5K in a row, right? Now, some of those yep. you walked, though, too, right? Uh-huh. But that's still amazing. So an 11-year-old, I guess 10 to 11-year-old, out there every day. Now, what did you do when it was raining? Um, I still went out and used an umbrella. Like a boss. What did you do when it was snowing? I still went out and wore gloves and a hat. <laughs> and what did you do when it was so hot that the sun was practically melting the Earth's surface? I tried to get it done as quick as I could. <laughs> Which is actually really fast. So in this past year, with you doing a 5K every single day, walking or running, you actually had a PR several times throughout the year. Isn't that right? Yep. And what is your current PR? 24 minutes and 12 seconds. 24 minutes and 12 seconds for an 11-year-old's 5K. I think that's pretty awesome. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on, Piper, is because I wanted to give you an opportunity to encourage everyone who is listening to this podcast. Uh, you're a pretty amazing 11-year-old, but I think if you can do it, anyone can do it. What, what do you have to say to all of the listeners to encourage them today? Um, I think that if they put their mind to it, they can definitely do it. I love it. Uh, one other thing I want to say before we go, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of chatter on the check-in page about the 5K Mayhem, which if you're not familiar with what that is, it is a 5K every hour on the half hour for 12 hours. So we start at 6.30 a.m. You run a 5K at 6.30 a.m. And then at 7.30 a.m., you got to be back and ready to go again because every hour on the half hour, you do a 5K. And there's a lot of people who are talking about, they're not sure if they can do it. Piper, as a 10-year-old in May 2020, what did you think of the 5K mayhem? I thought it was fun, but it really hurt my legs. <laughs> so how many laps did you do in the 5K mayhem? I got all 12 in. That's amazing. 37.2 miles on 10-year-old legs. And once again, I know it took fortitude. I know you're a special little girl, but do you think that uh, the people who are out there listening to this podcast, you think they should give it a try? Yes. <laughs> you are having a blast. And uh, are you planning on doing the 5K Mayhem again this year? Definitely. Awesome. So do you have any final words for our listeners? Anything that you'd like to say to them before we go? Just have fun doing 5K May. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you found that to be encouraging. What a special little girl. Now, if you did find that to be encouraging, please go on to the website, to the blog, and leave a comment for Piper and let her know that you think she's pretty awesome. We've had four of our children complete the 5K every day in the month of May challenge for the past several years. If they can do it, so can you. It does take some fortitude, but you can do it. Now, without any further ado, let's jump back into the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 4 Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. 
But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God had said to the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick, and whatever their sicknesses or diseases, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. There were people from Galilee, the Ten Towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. What an incredible situation we have here in Matthew 4. Did you catch who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? It was the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. I can't tell you how much comfort I receive from reading these words. Do you know what this means? It means that God himself is not only with us during difficulties, but that many times he is, in fact, the one leading us into difficult situations. Now, why in the world would that bring me any level of comfort whatsoever? Because it proves that God is far more interested in our character than in keeping us safe and cozy. It proves that he is with us in the midst of difficult situations. It proves that God is sovereign over difficult situations. It proves that going through difficult situations does not necessarily mean that we are outside of the will of God. Rather, it may mean that we are following him faithfully. This is really important to me because I've certainly been through a few difficult situations that have led me to wonder, God, did I miss you on this one? Now, to be sure, many of my difficult situations were brought on by my own ignorance, rebellion, stupidity, 
but I am convinced and I believe that this verse validates that many times it really was God who was leading and walking with me the whole way. Yay, God. A parallel passage is found in Luke 4, and I want to briefly turn there just so that we can notice how present and active the Spirit is in Luke's account of Jesus in the wilderness. Luke 4.1 says, And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. And then later in verse 14, it says that he returns from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Here's that verse. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Next, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he proclaims that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Check it out in Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about this idea of the kenosis of God, of the setting aside his divinity, of being found in appearance as a man, but not regarding equality with God, a thing to be grasped. And the practical implication of all that is that when Jesus walked the earth, he walked it as a man. But how did he do the things that he did? I mean, the miracles, the wisdom, the insight, the the power Well, it was because he was full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And the really crazy thing is this same reality is available to us. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want this to be true in my life. I want to be full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking in the power of the Spirit, and anointed by the Spirit. In short, I want my life's passion to be summed up by a phrase that caught my attention near the end of today's reading. This is found in Matthew 6, 33. We'll get to that later, but it's this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. May my first priority and passion be the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm praying that for you as well. Lord, may our first priority and passion be your kingdom and your righteousness. Would you lead us by your spirit, God? Would you empower us by your spirit? Would you fill us with your spirit? We know that we are anointed by your spirit. How do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? By walking in the spirit chapter 5 one day as he saw the crowds gathering jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them god blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs god blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted god blesses those who are humble for they will inherit the whole earth god blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice for they will be satisfied God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? 
It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to the officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be freed again until you have paid the last penny. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told you must not break your vows. You must carry out your vows that you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, for you can't even turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. 
In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5-7 through is quite extraordinary. When you think of Jesus, probably one of the first things that most people think of is a preacher. Certainly when most people think of what someone who is following in the footsteps of Jesus looks like, they would think of a preacher. And certainly those who follow Jesus are called to preach the gospel to all creation. Mark makes that clear in the 16th chapter of his gospel, and we'll get to that much later. But the truth is that we have very little information about Jesus preaching actual sermons. Matthew 5-7, through also known as the Sermon on the Mount, is pretty much it. There's a definite debate over what exactly we are reading in Matthew 5-7. through Some people believe that this was a literal start-to-finish sermon. Personally, I think that makes the most sense. Matthew literally begins this chapter with, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. That seems pretty straightforward to me. It seems that Jesus was out and about, and the people were following him, so he took a normal, everyday opportunity and turned it into a teaching opportunity. Notice, too, that it seems Jesus was primarily teaching his disciples, who had gathered around him and was simply allowing everyone else to listen in. That feels pretty different from a typical American church setting to me. Now, other people think that the Sermon on the Mount was actually a collection of teachings that Jesus gave throughout the few years that he was traveling around with his disciples. I think that is certainly a possibility, but that view doesn't fit in nearly as well with the straightforward nature by which Matthew sets up the sermon. And still another group of people think that this was basically the same message that Jesus had preached over and over uh, everywhere that he went. This view doesn't fit very well with the idea that Jesus was primarily teaching his disciples who had gathered around him. So I'm not a huge fan of this particular view. Uh, But either way, I am convinced that this sermon was a bit of an anomaly. While preaching certainly had its place in the ministry of Jesus, I do not believe that Jesus should primarily be described or thought of as a traveling preacher. While the Gospels mention several times something along the lines of Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his custom, the truth is that the majority of his ministry took place not in the synagogue, but out in the highways and the byways of life. Most of his ministry took place among those who were far from God and not inside the walls of the synagogue, which would essentially be the equivalent to the modern-day church building. Now think about that for a moment. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to follow him, yes, he will lead us to the church building. As going to the synagogue was his custom, going to the church building should be our custom. But the majority of the ministry that takes place in our lives or through our lives should be happening in the highways and the byways of life, among those who are far from God, and not necessarily happening inside the walls of the church building. In Matthew 5, Jesus recognizes a teachable moment, and he takes the opportunity to preach a sermon among outsiders that totally transformed the way they saw, understood, and related to God. And some who are listening to this may say, well, that's not quite right, Jeff. Remember that he was primarily teaching his disciples and not the large crowd. You said so yourself. Well, fair enough. Solid point. But who were the disciples? Were they insiders or outsiders? Spoiler alert. They were very much outsiders. These were fishermen, builders, tax collectors, zealots. 
Every Jewish boy would have learned about and memorized the Torah as a young child. The Torah referring to the first five books of the Old Testament. Exceptional students would have stayed on to learn more about the prophets and the other writings. And those exceptional students, you could call them the youth group all-stars, would long to hear the words, come, follow me, from a rabbi whom they deeply respected and revered. The other students, the ones who did not perform well in Torah school, would hear the words, go and learn your father's trade. Jesus' disciples were among that latter group. By the time that he asks them to follow him, they were busy doing secular work, following in their father's trade. They were not the religious elite. I have my doubts as to whether or not going to the synagogue was their custom prior to meeting Jesus. I don't think it was. But he met them where they were at. He didn't water down the message, but he spoke in a language that they could understand, and he modeled his message with his life. Could the same be said of us? I hope so. That's the goal, anyway. Chapter 6. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for if you do, you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your whole body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. For no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's Matthew 6, verse 34. Perhaps for us, this verse could be helpfully paraphrased as, Don't worry about tomorrow's 5K, for tomorrow's 5K will bring its own worries. Today's 5K is enough for today. I think that is super helpful advice. As we progress through the 5K every day in the month of May 2021 challenge, it can be easy to start thinking, Oh my, I have 29 days left. Yikes! 29 more days of a 5K every day feels super daunting. It does to me anyway. But one day, well, that's something that I can do. I can do today's 5K. Earlier in today's Bible reading, Jesus also said, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That sounds impossible, right? God the Father has been eternally perfect. Every single moment of every single day, God the Father has been perfect. I will never be able to match that level of perfection. But what about the next moment of my life? Is it possible for me to live a single sinless second? I think it is. For the entire last second of my life, I didn't lie, I didn't cheat, I didn't steal, I didn't kill, I didn't covet. Go me. I wonder if I could keep that going for two seconds or three seconds. Could I keep this sinless streak going for 60 seconds? Could I live a single sinless minute? I think I could. I'm already well on my way right now. If I could live a single sinless minute, why not two minutes? And if two minutes, why not three minutes or four minutes or five minutes? If I could string together five sinless minutes, what about 10 or 20 or 30? And what's the limit? Could I live a single sinless hour or day or week or month or year? What is the limit? Living a sinless second sounds easy. Living a sinless year sounds impossible. But wouldn't a sinless year simply be made up of many, many sinless seconds? And here's the point. Focusing on the entire year or tomorrow is silly. Jesus is calling us to live right now. He is challenging us to be perfect or to be without sin in this present moment. If we can focus on doing that in this moment, then it will become easier and easier for us to do it in the next moments. 
that mentality is ultimately what will cause us to be victorious through 5K May 2021. And it's the exact same mentality that will cause us to be victorious in our spiritual lives where winning really matters. Well, that's it for the second podcast in the 5K Every Day in the month of May 2021 challenge. Only 29 more to go. Again, if you have not checked in on the website, be sure to go to the blog at www.jeffpullenmusic.com and check in on the check-in number one blog post. Also, feel free to start leaving your questions and or comments on the blog if you want to have them answered in the first Q&A. That should be fun. And to send you out today, how about another song from Poland Band called I Am the Lord Your God? Shall not overwhelm